testing. Oh, I sound good. Okay. Yeah. All right. You always sound good. I do. <laughs> right you are. Uh, I I made a new theme song for us. You did. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's, uh, let's, let's take her off for a yeah. maiden voyage. Yep. Guess what, people? Guess what you must understand? There are excellent benefits in eating poop. Poop, 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 poop. Oh my god. You piece of shit. Are you fucking kidding me? You can't do that. You can't. It could be our ending song. I mean, it's it's wonderful. You can't just rely on the eating poop sim. We haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> I know. Like, I just got it. I mean, it's, it's very good. Poop. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Corkboard Bazaar. Uh, you know our names. If you're here, you know our names. Yeah, you know. But I'm are. Willow. You know what it is. I'm yeah. Sequoia. And and I made that this week. I, I made that song this week. We'll put it on the list. We'll and put I, it on the short list. And I hope that you all enjoyed it. It <laughs> probably won't be the theme, <laughs> but it's something. It sure is something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We're recording on Halloween. Yeah. We are going to talk about some scary things today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What do you got? I was, I was browsing Reddit, at, as I'm prone to do. That's you're prone to do. And I found a shitload of posts on the Paranormal Board, on the ET Experiences Board, like, about people who have had run-ins with man-sized rabbits or the Easter Bunny. Really? Yes. Tapuka. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, makes me think of Frank from Donnie Darko. Makes me think of Harvey. Harvey. You know, also a play. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about that. Yeah, let's what talk about Tapuka, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I So many different Reddit threads. That's crazy. Yeah. So let me. And I can also send it to you. Yeah. Send it to me. Okay. I say, let's start off with. So this was posted on r slash humanoid encounters three years ago by user Schindler's Listicle. God damn it. <laughs> I hate the fucking internet. These, these people and their usernames. I wish I, I'm so bad at coming up with usernames. I, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to, we can read it out starting from like the second paragraph. I have direct memories of only one abduction event. But I'm pretty sure I underwent routine abductions up until the age of six or seven. As a very young child in the 1980s, I used to be taken by the Easter Bunny to the North Pole to play with Santa every year on Christmas Eve. I was sworn to secrecy about this, or else the Easter Bunny said he wouldn't come back. These visits happened every year without fail. At the North Pole, we would play together in a two-dimensional space, and the games we would play were educational in nature, but very fun. The experience was more like a projection or video game, but I was... But I would experience it as real. It's hard to describe. I have no recollection of the specifics outside of brief memories from my last visit. What I do know 
is that I loved these trips. So much so that before my last trip at the age of six or seven, I was actually more excited for the Easter Bunny to come and take me than I was for Christmas the next day. On this trip, I was told I was getting too old for these visits and this would be the last one. I was profoundly sad. For a couple of years after the last Easter Bunny visit, all was quiet. Then when I was nine years old, the first and only abduction I can clearly recall occurred. I do not recall the initiating events. By the time I came to, I was already being led back, to, led into my front yard. It was lit up like day. I say being led, but I cannot remember if I was alone or had some sort of escort. I want to say there were entities to either side of me. My childhood front yard was basically a jungle, but there was one patch of grass that opened into the sky. On more than one occasion, I had sleepwalked here as a child and awoken on this patch of grass in the middle of the night. In the center of the patch of grass was a tiny silver craft, what I would describe as a typical flying saucer, only extremely small. The craft was so squat that I probably couldn't even fully stand up inside of it as a nine-year-old child. I would estimate it I would estimate it was five feet tall and twelve and a half feet across, and it hovered about four feet off the ground. I do not recall if there were any sort of landing gear or if, or if it was freely floating. In front of the craft, walking toward it and perpendicular to myself, was a classic gray alien. It did not it did not acknowledge me. The creature was childlike in stature, probably a foot shorter than me at nine years old. I, having only seen my first drawing of a gray a few months before this event on a television program, should have been terrified. After viewing that program, they'd immediately become fixtures of my nightmares. Despite that, being confronted by one in real life for the first time, I felt perfectly calm and serene. There was some sort of opening into the craft, but I cannot recall if it was a hatch or gangway. I was escorted toward the opening, and I remember, as I passed the outside of the hull, there being Egyptian-looking hieroglyphs inscribed along the lip of the craft. I black out. I am seated on a bench in front of a glass screen. Across from me is a gray. Our attention is devoted to one another, and we are interfacing through the glass screen device. I'm in what I take to be the interior of the craft, but the room is far, far physically larger than would be possible based on the exterior of the saucer. There are other beings in the room who are engaging in other tasks besides what me and my partner are doing. My attention is wholly devoted to the screen and the task at hand. The screen is a clear glass screen set on a table, approximately four feet in height, and there is some manner of console on my side that I am using to interface with it. I do not recall the gray having anything to use to interface with the device. The task I am devoted to had something to do with communicating between English and the alien language. I black out again. The final stage of my abduction is a series of movies projected directly into my mind. I only recall two of them. In the first, I'm in an inlet in a sea in a sort of land before time. The earth is primordial and pristine. I am moving through the water toward the mouth of the bay and along the coast on either side and along the coast on either side is luscious, unspoiled jungle. It is profoundly beautiful. The second is a snippet of apocalyptic environmental imagery. I see a breakwater or a coastline with a lighthouse situated on it. Waves are surging over the sides and consuming the coast. I'm made to understand that humanity is responsible for what is happening here. The abduction ends. Yeah. He says he woke up feeling calm and inner peace, but his mind felt overloaded, like too much had been put in there to ever remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, for a lot of years, he sort of just chalked it all up to sleep disorders or dreams or whatever. But then he stumbled across this other abductee named Jim Sparks. And Jim Sparks experiences made him remember what happened okay. to him. So, like, this idea that he had seen the Easter Bunny mm -hmm. and it was taking him to the North Pole every Christmas Eve until he was getting too old for that. And then a few years later, there's a gray experience. If we're, you know, just we're just going to go along with the story. Sure. That's interesting that at nine years old, he sees them as grays. And it's like, it almost feels like it's by accident that he remembers it. Mm. Like he's yeah, yeah. supposed to remember it. And it makes you think like, how about all of those other times where he was 
you know, taken by the Easter Bunny. Right. Went along with the Easter Bunny. Was that actually a gray? Was that perhaps a screen memory? Right, right. Was it because the Easter Bunny is also sort of like, it's this thing that exists because we agree that it exists or that children agree that it exists, you know? So I think that there was a point in time where he was getting too old. They couldn't project that screen memory over themselves anymore because Mm. he was getting too old to believe in the Easter Bunny. Yeah. I mean, also like, just like like taking on a surface, it could like from the time you're born to death, right? You're, you're, your brain slows down making connections on like mm-hmm. an exponential scale. Yep. And like, which essentially means like when you're an infant, you're tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, which I mean, and and sort of quite literally too, like, you know, based on like what LSD does to the brain and shit, like mm-hmm. it just makes connections fire. Like it makes neurons fire. Childhood memories are crazy. Yes. Yeah, they are. Like I had to ask my mom one time, um, I had this vivid memory of drowning at my sixth birthday party in an indoor pool. Damn. And I could not remember if it was real or if I had dreamed it. So I asked her and she was like, no, that was real. <laughs> oh, Fuck. okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> it felt very dreamlike. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember it from a third person perspective. I remember it as if I'm a camera in the corner of the room watching myself. Oh, no shit. Like it's happening to me. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Well, I, I saw down in, there's a, a comment down under here. By God of Tomorrow mm-hmm. says, holy shot, that Easter Bunny comment is familiar. I have a memory of waking up, walking downstairs and finding a blue Easter Bunny looking through my parents' stuff. And it turned around and went after me, then black. But that's a dream I still remember decades later. I always thought it was an abduction. I also have memories of pulling footlong wood chips from my wrist on a playground and running from a saucer. <laughs> it sounds like you may have, may have been abducted by the mantids. Wow, that comment really took me on a journey. I know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why whoa. we ended up at the mantids. Yeah. So I don't know who Jim Sparks is or like. What- it's, a, it's a name I've heard. I mean, yeah. generally, um, I assume Grifter. <laughs> probably, probably. But also this idea of the aliens showing someone a vision of like, here is utopia and here's dystopia. Here's, you know, the beautiful part of life. And then here's destruction. Some people who have that vision will interpret it to be like a prophecy. Yeah. Like that they're seeing the future when really it's like how many scenes of beauty and destruction have there already been? You know? Sure. They might not necessarily be showing you the future. They might just be showing you the condition of the human experience and of life on earth itself, which is beautiful and it can be horrible. And also his sentence like I understood that humanity was responsible for this. Yeah. So. So he's reflecting on human experience, it seems. Uh, Jim's, through the eyes of an alien. Yeah. Jim Sparks wrote The Keepers, an alien message for the human race. He, uh, his biography is um, since 1988, Jim Sparks has been working with intelligent non-human beings from an off-planet from off-planet locations. Unlike any other abductees, he has conscious awareness of his experiences with approximately 95% clear recall of technology, including time travel, um, invisibility, multidimensionality, and manipulation of gravity and electromagnetic fields. His firsthand reports of sperm extraction, breeding programs, shape-shifting, and thought-activated transport are astonishing, as is his personal journey from anger at the invasion to gratitude for the opportunity to be part of saving the Earth from self-destruction. After 1996 mass abduction, Jim was initiated as a participant rather than as an unwilling abductee. 
It became clear to him that some ETs have become very concerned about their investment in planet Earth. He was given a message. Your planet is dying. He was told to instruct humanity to restore the Earth's ecological balance, grant amnesty to those who have suppressed the truth about the long-term alien presence on Earth, and bring forth all the concealed knowledge and technologies that extraterrestrial vis visitors have given to humans. He is an ambassador for human cosmic awareness. Of course. And a voice for the ridiculed and dismissed people who have been contacted by alien civilizations. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I that's sort of exactly what I expected. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I found another one. Okay. On r slash high strangeness. Easter bunny manifestation being E.T. abduction in childhood. Okay. So this guy says he attended the UFO UFO Congress five-day event. Yeah, some UFO festival. Okay. The UFO Congress. UFO Congress five-day event in Mesa, Arizona. They had sessions for experiencers to share their stories. One man spoke up about a time when he was a child and the Easter bunny approached him and wanted the boy to go with the bunny to help him out. But the boy was reluctant and didn't go. Then another man spoke up at the UFO Congress. He said he had had a similar experience as a child with the Easter bunny trying to get him to leave home and go somewhere else. But yet again, he didn't go. So this guy, this Reddit user, mm. he's like, holy shit, something happened to me just like that when I was a child. He says, I lived on a farm and we had chickens in the yard. One day, the chickens scattered fast and around the porch came the Easter bunny. He tried to get me to go with him and I wouldn't leave the porch. He backed away out of sight, but I leaned over the porch and watched it turn around. From behind, it was a small dinosaur with spikes on its back and a spiked tail. What? Scared the heck out of me. I put it out of my mind most of my adult life. What could it be? An E.T. taking on the form of an Easter bunny as we were small children and would trust it? But then the other two at the meeting said the Easter bunny just left. Also, not, none of those boys trusted it. Yeah. <laughs> bad disguise. Yeah. Any idea what it was? I mean, it sounds like a fucking puka. Yeah. He also says that Instead of it being like a man-sized rabbit, he says it was about three feet tall and it looked like an animated stuffed animal, like a toy waddling as it walked. That's so bizarre. Right. The f so it's a tiny Easter bunny. Hmm. It does make me think of Stephen King's It, you know, like this being that sort of uh, takes on the image of something that might seem safe at first. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like kids like clowns, right? Even though <laughs> kids like the Easter bunny, right? How many creepy Easter bunny photos have you seen of like kids crying on the Easter bunny's lap? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that shit is I mean, that's <laughs> classic. Jesus Christ. Those costumes can be terrifying. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the puka is not it's not a good thing. Well, actually, in some in some lore, it's uh, a benevolent or protective entity. Mm -hmm. Where the creature intervenes before a terrible accident or before the person is about to happen upon a malevolent fairy or spirit. Yeah. It also doesn't always show up as, I mean, some, some puka are apparently bloodthirsty vampire-like creatures. Sometimes they kidnap them. They can show up as all sorts of different things. Sounds like aliens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, the, it's that. Yep. That fucking thing again. It's the goddamn, the good, the good people, the good, the good neighbors. Yeah. So Schindler's listicle, God damn it. guy from the first story, Yeah. when asked like, so what do you think that was? He goes, well, if you asked me when I was five, I would have said nothing <laughs> because I wanted another Easter Bunny visit. If you asked right. me when I was 10, I would have said scary aliens were taking me to experiment on me. If you asked me when I was 20, I would have said it was a product of my mind and a youthful delusion. 
If you asked me when I was 30, I would have said they were testing me for some sort of project and I failed their test, so they eventually let me be. Now, what do I believe they want or wanted? I think maybe they interface and interact with certain people, trying to shift our actions around, try and affect a more desirable future, desirable to them, and hopefully us. In all honesty, I have no idea. I can only guess. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds about like a, that's about the right progression of fucking yep. belief, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'd like, man, I don't know. Like, one thing that freaked me out this past week was uh, I saw um, Fred Anderson. Mm-hmm. Did you did you see this interaction we had on Twitter? No. Okay. So. Don't believe so. Yeah. Fred Anderson, he's a um, ufologist and writer in, uh, in Sweden, and his ass posted a uh, Something referring to like a, a couple bits of high strangeness he'd experienced, and one was uh, he, he he referred to a um, a chubby man in huge pants showing up multiple times while he was on mushrooms. <laughs> All right. Whoa! This freaked me the fuck out. Chubby man in huge pants. I've seen the man in huge pants. Wow! How big are these pants? They're pretty fucking big, dude. It's a big pants. What? Okay. What do you mean by big pants? <laughs> like what is it? What? Like puffy? Well, trip pants. Um, tall for me. It was he, dude was wearing tall pants like up over his belly button. Yeah, he's like a shaped like a large egg. Mm-hmm. Like real, legitimately egg shaped person. Okay. And like his pants were like almost up to his nips. Mm-hmm. Suspenders, and he was walking down the trail with his thumbs and his suspenders like this wow yeah so yeah this like this happened to me when and it's like the the weirdest mushroom trip of my life and then you saw Eggman. you saw humpty dumpty himself dude it was so strange it was like we were like 18 the whole circumstances leading up to us even eating mushrooms like our one of our rich friends we were like 18 up in vermont and uh her wealthier friends got a bunch of mushrooms and like he was, he really wanted to try them. So he was going to give me and two of my friends, uh, Zach and Mike, some mushrooms for free. And uh, then two of his like frat boy friends actually had money because we didn't, because we were poor. They offered to buy them and do it. So it was like, oh, you know, I like, I, you know, you guys don't have any money. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to the, to the people that are giving me money. Those two, those two kids, yeah. the night before, in two separate incidents, <laughs> two separate incidents, both broke their fucking ankles jumping out of windows at parties. Oh, really? Yeah. So they weren't tripping. Yeah. So we got the mushrooms for free and they were weird. Yeah. And these are like, like we're down by this crazy ass river um, mm-hmm. in Vermont, Winooski River. Real big, wide, all these rocks in the middle of it. Really wild fucking scene. And like- we only ate like a sixteenth of mushrooms each. Yeah. Strongest, weirdest trip in my fucking life. I mean, full on telepathy, fucking just yeah. bizarre shit. Just real, the real high strangeness side mm-hmm. of mushrooms. But as it's like coming on, like our buddy Mike, who's a mopey fuck, <laughs> I love him. But he was especially mopey back then. He was he was having a hard time. He recently like broke up with his girlfriend. He and like he, he he's overwhelmed by people, so he walks off down this trail at this park and. uh you know, me and Zach follow him and, you know, we've been friends for forever and uh, I follow him. We're like sitting on this bench, having this heart to heart, you know, trying to unmope the mic, you know, and all of a sudden this fucking Eggman and 
I bet that made him feel better. I mean, it shocked the fuck. Dude, so this Eggman and a little Grand Egg, the Grand Egg yes. is the grumpiest looking fucking kid I have ever seen in my goddamn oh life. My God. Just so sad. Just so fucking hates everything in the world. Mm-hmm. And is walking with the head down, fish, two fishing poles and a tackle box. Just, and right behind Grand Egg. Is the Eggman. Yeah. And he's just fucking bouncing down the trail. Thumbs in his suspenders. And he just stops right in front of us, turns to look at us and goes, good afternoon, gentlemen. And then he walks away. Lovely. Zach saw him again. Oh, (laughs) you don't forget Eggman. On like the other side of the state, somewhere totally different. Uh Uh-huh. Or maybe like it was a di- totally different time, but he was on mushrooms and he was on a port and he saw this motherfucker walk Amazing. by. Yeah. And this also happened to like Fred Andrews. I mean, we didn't like talk about like, well, what did he look like a chip? Yeah. But one of Fred's uh, experiences with huge pants, mushroom man, mm-hmm. he was fishing on a bridge. Yeah. And ours, he was on a, he had, he was taking his grand egg on a fishing trip. And it was just like, like odd. Like, I mean, it t- totally could be. Just a guy. Just a guy in but two that places. Also, but yeah. that doesn't make it any less weird that, you know, he was seen well uh, under the influence of mushrooms on both occasions. Yeah, on, on all occasions. Yeah. yeah. Occasions. <laughs> and maybe it's just like an archetype that sticks out in your head if you happen to be on mushrooms. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the jolly <laughs> older gentleman, you know. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah, he sounds fucking awesome. It was great. I One loved time, it. I was on mushrooms and I don't think that this, I think she was just a a woman. Yeah. But she was like seven feet tall and extremely skinny and her arms were extremely long and so was her torso and her Mm. neck. And it caught me off guard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Same way, short. Yeah. Ridiculously (laughs) fat. On mushrooms, it already exaggerates people's features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It already makes everyone's features kind of exaggerated. So when you see someone with very exaggerated features, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You're out of this world. Yeah. And I mean, like, that was right before, like, we went into, it's, you know, there was, there was a point where, like, we were just, like, sitting in silence, just going on, like, a thought roller coaster. Yes. And I was like unraveling. I was like, if that means this, then this means that. Da, 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 da. And then like my buddy Zach just out loud after like 10 minutes of silence, just finished the sentence I was thinking in my head. Cool. Like real fucked up shit. Yeah. It was, uh, whoa. that's really cool. Yeah. It was something else, man. But so like, yeah, I don't, well, I don't you know, it's funny. I found a bunch more experiences that don't have to do with abductions. Right. Of people just seeing the Easter bunny. Interesting. Like seeing him standing there. Usually uh, it's childhood memories too. So it's very possible that these people are just like, you know, misremembering things. But if it's true, and for some reason when people are between the ages of five and six, they just see these creepy large rabbits in places. That's that's also something. That's also kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. This guy said he he saw a ghost Easter bunny. Yes. There's five or six sitting in my bedroom. It wasn't around Easter or anything, but it's interesting that they always say Easter bunny. Right. Instead of just giant rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, a, unless it is wearing the quintessential Easter bunny costume where it's like pink or blue. Yeah. Then. Well, the the last one you saw a blue Easter bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me like fits the image of when we think of like an Easter bunny costume. Sure. Yeah. 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 It wasn't around Easter or anything, but I remember getting a creepy feeling like I was being watched and then at the same time. Watch then at the same time that the feeling started, the radio turned on and I swear it played Somebody's Watching Me. 
I froze in place, too afraid to move at that point. I turned my head to the doorway of my bedroom, and I swear I seen what looked like somebody in an old Easter Bunny costume. He stood there watching me for about a minute before he turned around and left. That was the first and last time I've ever seen it, but every time I hear that song, I get flashbacks of that event. Good God. Yeah, that's... Kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, this motherfucker says he saw a dude in an old Easter Bunny costume. Mm -hmm. That's that's freaky as shit. But, like... mm, Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking fairy, dude. It's a fucking puka. Yep. And somebody says... I saw a large Easter bunny in my grandparents' apartment when I was six. They had a railroad flat, so all the rooms were connected. I was in the bed in the last bedroom, and it walked through the bedroom into the living room. Years later, I asked my mother if my grandfather had dressed up, but it was not him. So someone else says that uh, it also happened at their grandparents' house. They woke up in the middle of the night to see a large brown rabbit in the shape of a person in a costume standing in the doorway watching them. Nobody ever believed her. And then she met a girl in college who shared a very similar story. These motherfuckers just be out here seeing rabbits? <laughs> yeah. I wonder... Oh, okay. The first person says their ghost Easter bunny was in their bedroom. But I was wondering if there might be a pattern of like seeing it when you're staying at a family member's house or like when you're not at your home. But then there's other people that see it at their home. Yeah. Like I want like I have to imagine that all these people that say Easter Bunny, they probably celebrate Easter. Yep. I wish I knew more about all these people's beliefs and like what they were exposed to as as kids. Mm -hmm. Were their parents big fans of Harvey? Did they watch Harvey too? at too young an age. Yeah. Were their parents, I mean, at this were point, their were their parents pranksters? Big, were their parents pranksters? Were their parents big fans of Donnie Darko, which could be a thing now too, right? Yeah. My papa was a fucking hell of a prankster. If we watched anything even remotely scary, you know what this asshole would do? <laughs> he would sneak outside with a flashlight and pop up outside of my window. Jesus Christ. Or like knock on the window. Dude, that's, he that's would, bullshit. He was dude. always playing such scary pranks. That sucks. <laughs> So, but it's okay because now when like scary paranormal things happen, I'm like, ah, oh, it's just him. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Weird. Very I, weird. Man, I want to fucking see a goddamn fairy. I don't know. You say that, but then. I'm an adult now. I'm a grown ass man. I can take it. Mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I could. I think the idea of something in a costume scares me. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, no, I'm good. It's awesome. If something looks like it's in a costume, then my brain is going crazy imagining what might be inside the costume. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to see a dude in a rabbit costume. Yeah. I'll I'll shoot that motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, that that would be legitimately terrifying. Yeah. Because you can't tell if that... That's actually a guy in a rabbit costume or if that's a supernatural thing. At least if you see a gray, like, you know that that's not a person. I'd probably shoot that motherfucker too. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I- What's scarier, a person in your house in the middle of the night that's not supposed to be there or a fairy? A person. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. all, all day. All I day. agree. Yeah. No, yeah. like. I'd rather see a ghost. Yeah. Like, cause at, like at least you know with like a supernatural creature like that there is there's some sort of barrier mm-hmm. between interaction right yeah a purse that's just a dude in your house yeah yeah not all yeah not all, that not also not all right with that that is one of the scarier things to me mm-hmm. is just people intruders weird people fucking around yeah very much so yeah. i'm i'm very uh 
I've answered the door with a knife behind my back before. It's <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't expecting a visitor. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> it's just like the lady down the street. Oh, I got your mail by accident. God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. I, uh, I started watching some Gaia TV clips. Oh, boy. The other, the other day. Dude, this shit is hilarious. Yeah. I think I want to do an episode soon where we just like go through some of <laughs> their catalog of. Yeah. Like the free shit, yeah. you know, a, a snap who snap teams. Stop Snapchatting me team Snapchat. <laughs> um, You're too old to be on Snapchat. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> too old to be on Snapchat. I don't know. Anyone can use Snapchat. Yeah. I have never used it. No, no. It's just something about it freaks me out i mean i know like i i only i, I don't use it but i mm-hmm. have yeah but yeah no like so i found this fucking gaia tv is fucking insane like it dude this shit is i don't i had never really subjected myself to it before oh i have i know you have i've sat through a few episodes of cosmic Dis- disclosure it's a a really great sleep aid <laughs> did you see that fucking clip of cosmic disclosure i sent you no, shit, I never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Okay, we just got to play that. Yeah. Yep. You got to come over here and so you can see it. Okay. And you'll be able to hear your reactions. Because like there's no way I could sleep through that. Because it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Cool. Just in every, every way. Did the U.S. government experiments open portals of space time? Disclosure. Today on Cosmic Disclosure, we are with Tim, a tactical advisor from Germany <laughs> who analyzes and suggests various strategies in relation to extraterrestrial groups in contact with Earth. Also joining us today is Richard Doty, a retired <laughs> oh, counterintelligence great. agent who served in the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Welcome, gentlemen. Like- today, we're going to be talking about portals and time. <laughs> So we're going to get a U.S. perspective from you, Rick, and from you, Tim, of course, a German uh, perspective. So, Rick, you've seen so many documents about this type of subject. What could you start off with? Well, during my counterintelligence uh, career, I was assigned to Area 51. And one of the operations that I uh, perfected a counterintelligence operation for was uh, an operation or a project uh, that was run by the national uh, national laboratories in investigating how to time travel, whether it was feasible, different methods and different procedures that could be developed to move from one area of time to another area of time. And so I actually developed the counterintelligence operation based on the project. Uh, most of the time when we get these projects in that we had to do a counterintelligence operation for, you just read a summary, the objectives. Like Richard Doty's just on Gaia TV talking about lying about time travel. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what his ass is doing. Yep. Yeah. So that's why it was the funniest thing in the world to me. Like, well, we're going to, we, here we have Richard Doty. Yeah. Wait until the German guy speaks. Cause this German dude, Tim, Tim, he, he's like a caricature of a fucking German. 
Like it's he's got this tiny little pencil mustache. All right, what do you got, Richard? Uh, then maintain it with gases. They used, I know, argon gas and a number of other different types of gases. They would pour, uh, send through these portals. And <laughs> it, it actually worked. They were able to open it. The problem was to keep it open and to prevent any damage or injuries to anything that go, went through there. And they were using cockroaches to put through there. They were using uh, mice and rats and, and I, I believe some other animals. But nothing... Uh, they couldn't the perfect it the roach portal at that time but later on they developed different techniques and different methods that we were able to do i had to say the roach portal because that crazy website i posted yesterday talk oh, yeah. in la yeah. she has a whole like page on that website and two videos dedicated to talking about like the roach portal no shit so, <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> yeah sorry that's no, all good what year was this this was in the 1980s early to mid-1980s. The project actually started back in the 60s. I think, believe San Diego National Laboratory started the project and it was in the uh, elementary stages back then. Uh, scientists were able to document on paper how to do this. But then when they were trying to perfect it in reality, so to speak, uh, they ran on all sorts of different obstacles, weather, atmosphere, uh, all sorts of things that were preventing the, the time portal to open. They actually opened some, uh, but uh, it, they couldn't keep it opened uh, in order for any, at least humans to go through there. And when they opened it, there was a lot of different things that had happened. When you open a portal, there were small explosions that are occurring. There were distortions of the atmosphere, distortions of the viewing. Uh, as you looked into the portal, there was so much distortion. And one of the things they de determined was they didn't know that this portal was going forward in time or back in time. And that was a big question on their part. They were perfect, trying to perfect things. They don't even know where the fuck they're going. Yeah, they don't know anything. Whether they were going forward or backwards in time. And this fake German guy's just they, did, they were able to perfect a way <laughs> to open a portal. But the only problem is the portals were only open in the early days for a millisecond. And later on, they, they kept them open for a few seconds. And they perfected something called a, a nuclear injection, where they had a small, very small nuclear detonation that they fired into. They fired this ball of nuclear material, I don't know how they did it, into the portal, and there would be a small nuclear detonation. That seemed to <laughs> open. nukes and as portals they to put into the random places? In That's there, not how nuclear explosions work. Anti-magnetic <laughs> like material. It's a ball. It would stay open for a few seconds and it would close and destroy that sheath. Wow, fantastic. When I was there in the early <laughs> wow, 90s fantastic. and was part of that project, <laughs> they also were using special alignments. They found out that they had a, the earth and the different types of space alignments because there's ley lines also in space. <laughs> And they still did not perfect it at all, uh, where they could do it. So how about you, Tim? What, what have you heard and what have you experienced and read about? We know that Germany was probably the first nation in modern history um, that, you know, That's not a real German. time travel. Everyone knows he's, that. He's one of the um, space Nazis that came from the moon base. Yeah. Physics That's why his accent that is different. Time yeah. can be approachable dimension. <laughs> that is something Germans came up with in the 1920s, 30s. They did experiments on that. 
I think about the 1940s. Um, their approach <laughs> That's was a to fake ass German eat. accent if I've ever heard one. Oh God, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Or is okay? What's the? <sighs> so wait, Germany in the 40s is when they were. Yeah. This, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So fucking, you've got you've got this jarhead, right? Uh huh. Some fake German. Right. Who looks like a caricature? Tim. Tim. No last name. Tim. No last name. He's wearing like a fucking tweed suit, tweed uh, brown vest. shirt, brown yeah jacket, uh, pencil thin mustache, fakest German accent I've ever heard. And you've got Richard fucking Doty. Yeah, like, you- <laughs> <laughs> come on, Gaia. Are you even trying? Are like, you? You're barely even trying. And there's ley lines in space. There's ley lines in space. Let's just think about that for a second. Oh, yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Like astrology stuff, maybe? Like things are are patterned according to their geographical location yeah but it's all always moving geometrical location yeah it's all moving there's no there can't be ley lines in space when the entire fucking thing is moving real fast not just (laughs) the planet but the sun yeah the whole solar system the whole cluster the arm of the galaxy even the galaxy itself it's all moving yeah i mean if you ask them to explain (sighs) any one sentence that was said deeper they wouldn't know what to, they haven't scripted an answer for that. Uh Dodie would know what to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's a fucking Emory rat. Smith though. He's like a bag of rocks. His head is, his head is full. Oh, is that the jarhead? Yeah. <laughs> Emory Smith was the guy hosting the comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is like a four-part YouTube series of this woman who uh was dating him and engaged to him. Oh my god, really? Yeah. And about how like he strung her along and he was like doing these weird manipulation tactics to make her believe that like they were meeting up in their dreams, even though they were long distance. Like she had. Oh, this him. motherfucker. You told yeah. me about this. Yeah. By the time they met, like she was she felt like they had already fallen in love because he convinced her that they were having these dates in her dreams. So she fell in love with her dream version of him which then did not match up with the real life version of him once they got together. And yeah, those, those were fun to watch. Wow. Yeah. Now my question is, do you, do you, are, are, are these guys in cahoots or are they yes anding? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're all just trying to make their bag, right? I don't know what the fuck Dodie's trying to do. That. <laughs> Dude, he is. Question. I was also thinking about how, um, I was watching the two most recent like new sci-fi ish TV shows that came out on Amazon. And I because I think that this is relevant, like what what is in the mainstream media. And in both of those shows, there's this strong theme of um, time manipulation. Yeah, that's big in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah, it's huge right now. Like and then you also see it on Gaia, like talking about opening up portals to the past and the future. I mean, it's always been a thing, time travel. Yeah. But like, especially, I just thought it it was interesting that the two newest shows like are both full of these ideas about manipulating the future, manipulating the past. Yeah, yeah. It's like, of course you can manipulate the future. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But it's like, Well, yeah. I mean, but that's like, I don't know, like that's in the zeitgeist of the, 
the underground paranormal shit right now too. Absolutely. Like all yeah. the and this idea of like time being more slippery than we Yeah. Yeah. This idea of like time perhaps not even really existing. Well, it's, it's pretty I think it's pretty generally accepted that the experience of linear time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's just yeah. in the papers these days. Yeah. Which is a whole can of worms. Right. So it's interesting, like, because those ideas are super fascinating and I really enjoy them. Yeah. And because of the fact that they are incredible ideas that are fun to explore, it makes them ripe for being included in these conspiracies. Yeah. I also think doesn't everyone want like the TV shows to be real, you know? Well, yeah. And there's also this idea of like predictive programming, like, oh, what they're because I know that there's people that watch Gaia and then go and watch whatever show Amazon puts out. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, they're telling us what will really happen. They're showing us the technology that already exists. Well, dude, I mean, fucking a like I, I started um, I started reading uh, American Cosmic. Oh, I got some fucking thoughts about all that. Yeah. Well, part of me thinks that like the inclusion of those themes in these shows um, is like. And also those themes being so prevalent on Gaia is like not an accident. No, I don't I, like what. Yeah. I mean, fucking American Cosmic is like this this book that is like one of the more serious taken books about mm-hmm. UFOs and shit. I, I, I don't like Diana Pasolka. <laughs> Seems like she's she she feels like she's uncovered all this amazing stuff that. That, that she's the first one to see all this shit. It's like, no, it's literally what, that's just what ufology is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And uh, Catholic spook, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely an agent for the Catholic church. I uh, think so. Abs- absolutely. I don't know anything about her. Or- yeah. It's, it's, in, it's an interesting uh, thing, dude. I, uh, <laughs> I was, I've been listening. I haven't been reading. I've been listening to the audio book. I read enough. Mm-hmm. I listen to the audio book at work. You read um, a lot. But yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's worth checking out just to see what that whole line of more mainstream pushing, um, mm-hmm. ufology disclosure or whatever. Right. Like I always, about. I'm always interested to see, especially, um, in sci-fi. Yeah. Cause I oh yeah. Like, that, that was my point. Uh, but yeah, specifically because these are like sci-fi shows that yeah. appeal to like this crowd and also like Dodie, that's his whole thing is sort of swaying yeah, that certain audience that is attracted to that type of media. He literally specializes in fucking with the crazies. Yeah, that's his that's his game. Right. And also these shows both have a lot to do with like mental illness mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, oh, is she actually crazy or is she really seeing into the future? Does she right. actually know all of these things? Like that's a big theme right now. Also. A lot of shows about people having superpowers, like lay people discovering that they actually have powers and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean that that comes and goes, but it, it does. Yeah, um, like in American Cosmic, like it opens on a scene with like uh, fucking Pasolka gets taken to a, a a UFO crash site that was apparently, you know, they the X Files season three like shot at this site because. Like there's this whole, she says that there's this, that she's been told there's this whole thing where, uh, you know, the fucking media companies are in on something or they've been told what to say or like how to change the real truth to right. create disinformation campaigns and shit. Yeah. Like it's the murkiest bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. And is he getting like, there's some fucking, there's some uh, UFO report supposed to come out today. Yeah. What do you, do you think? Let's take a, let's take some bets. Do you think it's going to be anything? No. No. It never <laughs> fucking is. Not, not going to be anything interesting. Yeah. You know, like it's, I've only been looking at this shit for a very short time and it's become very fucking clear. Yeah. And it just never is anything interesting. Right. And I think that's why this idea of like, they're putting the real truth into our media, into the TV shows and movies. Yeah. So appealing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. They're not giving us the real truth, but there is weird shit out there. I don't, I don't think they know the real truth. I don't think right. fucking anyone knows the real damn truth. Yeah. Although and maybe, it's like, and it's also fun to, um, to dissect media because of course it, reflects real life right but yeah it reflects yes uh, like how many things that have happened in movies ended up coming true even though it happened in the movie before it happened in real life well yeah i mean because we we have times that the simpsons predict shit i mean yeah Uh, yeah media just reflects life because it is part of life and life can be kind of predicted sometimes yeah yeah well i was thinking about this the other day, because I'm, I'm playing the uh, video game series Mass Effect for the first time, which everyone is like a legendary video game series. and shit. It's like a sci-fi kind of space opera type deal. And it came out first in 2007, right? Mm-hmm. And it, essentially the game's plot is like, you're the first human to be inducted into the space CIA. Essentially. Well. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm down. But it reminded me of a lot of the way that the Battlestar Galactica remake treated sci-fi and space travel and aliens, which is this like kind of Battlestar Galactica, especially like this sort of Bush era Iraq war. Like you could really see the reflection of the Iraq war in Battlestar Galactica and yeah. th- that vibe of the military and, and, and morality and shit like that. What makes a good soldier versus a bad soldier, all this stuff. Like right. it's a direct reflection of the time. And like, I was thinking about that playing Mass Effect and seeing how this, this Mass Effect is a reflection of 2007, you know, right at the tail end of the Bush era. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting like that sci-fi is how we make sense of the current moment mm-hmm. by predicting what it looks like in the future. Yep. Based on what we see now. Yeah. Like that, that's sci-fi and that's why it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn like it's sci-fi is like the best way to explore where we are now. Yeah. And then a lot of real creators are inspired by what they see in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it turns out that Things end up existing that look yeah like in sci-fi movies. Yeah, it's like that. It's that to me has always seemed very simple. Yeah, like you imagine things before mm-hmm. you create it. You put it into the zeitgeist. People, the people that make the things are sci-fi fans, and then are <laughs> inspired by what they see. And- yeah, and half the time it's probably on purpose. <clears throat> yeah, you know, if you're like, if you're gonna make a starship, you're probably gonna make it look like the fucking. You know, whatever your favorite starship is. Right. Right. Like if you if you can, like you're gonna, yeah, you gonna make it look fucking cool. You're gonna want to model it after that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's this uh so there's this other guy a clip that I also watched. It was Greg Braden. How to Greg use a with three G's. Yeah. One at the start and two at the end. Yep. Yep. How to use a fractal time calculator to heal your life. I'm interested. It's called the missing link with Greg Braden, and I have to say he looks like the fucking missing link. <laughs> <laughs> he's he has very watch. tall hair. He does. He's 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 furry. He's a furry feller. Yeah, he's got like three sixty fuzz around his face. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a Sasquatch ass motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So this is bullshit. He's like, it talks about how there's all these like cycles and history has all these cycles, and 
history repeats itself. Yeah, and that and your and your life is a is a fractal pattern and I, all this shit. I don't shit. disagree with that. Yeah, but then he gives you a way to calculate and predict. Like, let's just see if I can if I can start out. I'm not going to go. He uses some story about how his dad left when he was a kid and that fucked him up forever. I was like, uh, Jesus Christ, Greg, yeah, a little personal. Well, he does that on purpose. Yeah. You know, to but, make himself feel more uh, personable. He goes a little too far. Yeah. It goes all the way back to making you feel bad for him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I was I was listening to this YouTube video today of like um, inhalant trip reports. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And out of nowhere, like the guy narrating it just like talks about the fact that he doesn't have a dad. He's okay with it. He's like, don't feel bad with me. And if you don't have a dad, that's okay too. Anyway, on to the next trip report. I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much of my adult life, that is, until I recognized that pattern and had the wisdom to change it. Well, using the principles of fractal time from the last episode, we can build a time code calculator to find out exactly when we can expect the conditions of a deep emotional experience like loss and betrayal, or even positive experiences to repeat in our lives again. Well, <laughs> so what I'd like to do in this episode is I'd like to walk you through the actual calculations step-by-step step, so that you can do these for yourself. So you no. can calculate these cycles in I your own life. Or if you prefer, you can use the handy time code calculator that I've created uh, it's available on my website for absolutely no charge. You don't have to sign up. There are no Whoa. strings attached. Wow. I just wanted to make it very easy to use this algorithm. Uh, so if you go to the website, www.gregbraden.com, that's Greg with two Gs, <laughs> and you use mode number three as it's described on the website, you can plug in the dates that we're about to describe and have automated for you the longer system that we're about to do right now, step by step. This dude also so blinks way too much. You to Ooh, untrustworthy. Begin this yeah. process by identifying an age in your life for a seed event that is emotionally significant in your life. And that can be a positive event. It can be a frightening event. It can be a sad event of loss or betrayal. And I'm going to use my father leaving my family, as I said, for the example, just to demonstrate what's happening here. So on a piece of paper in your mind's eye. The first variable that we're going to create is a variable called the seed event age, or SEA, and then a little one just to the right and below. <laughs> to make it look one. fancy. So C sub one. So in my example, age 11 is the seed age that we're going to begin with. B2, Step Greg. Number two, we're using the mathematics of nature that we talked about in the previous episode. In this case, I'm going to use the phi ratio of your age. Now, in other programs, we've talked about the phi ratio. It's a mystical, magical number. It's the number that governs the proportions of our, our body, the ratio Jesus Christ. of our shoulders to our elbow and our elbow to our wrist, the ratio of the tip of one finger to the first joint, and then the ratio of that distance to the next joint and to the Greg, next Greg, just joint. tell me when to expect the, the next ratio betrayal. Of right. where our eyes are located. On our face. No, he's got to explain the golden ratio. Between our nose and our lip. The golden mean. In proportion to the rest of our head. We <laughs> see this unfolding beautifully as the spirals that we see in the Nautilus shells, for example, are a classic example. Yes, yes, yes. So this mystical phi ratio applies to so much of the natural world. I'm not surprised 
that it would apply also to cycles of time. So in the last episode, we used this to help us calculate in an algorithm that you did not see the cycles from one world event to the next within the overall cycle of time, 5,125 years. Wait. In this what? <laughs> yeah. The overall cycle? 5,100. Where the fuck are you getting that, Greg? I don't know. Probably theosophy or something. <laughs> Somewhere. Did you calculate your, your event yet? I, yes, I have my fractal date, but now I don't know what it means or what to do with it. What does, this, what does it say? It's a, it's, oh, it determines at what age the same unresolved pattern may be expected to repeat. Mm. So when I was 17, that's another fractal date that something imp something important happens every single year of my life. Holy shit. <laughs> Like, what the fuck do you mean? Uh, a fractal time? Like, what am I calculating? Like, uh, uh, that I'm going to have an emotional experience that year when I'm 17? Uh, duh. It's when you, like, graduate high school, like, move away, you know? Let's see. Okay. Um, a seed event. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened in my life. Oh, it's just, she's one. My third grade teacher told me I was a failure who wasn't ever going to make it through high school. That's emotional. <laughs> it was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it ruined me forever. How old would I have been in third grade? Uh, kindergarten, I was like six. I was 10 in fifth grade. I know that. Yeah. So eight? Yeah, about eight. Yeah. I was eight. Seven or eight? I was eight when my inferiority complex <laughs> happened. And then 12. I mean, I was in seventh grade. Just 13? Yeah, I was in seventh grade. Wait, so it's just, what the fuck are you telling me right now, Greg? Yeah, like what the purpose of this, I'm not even sure what it's for. It's it's for you to fill in the blanks yourself. Like it'll give you two points in your life and then you in your own head are supposed to try and connect them and the events that happened at those moments and make them meaningful so that you can then identify I patterns. Thought, I but, thought it was going to give me like a pattern, not just another age. Yeah. Fuck you, Greg. Yeah, it's not really giving you anything except just like, okay, figure out what happened when you were 11 and when you were 17 about to turn 18 and uh, what happened then that that is part of a pattern. Like, hey, guess what? I already have an overly pattern-seeking mind. I don't need to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christ, man. And uh, like the thing is like- Like, I I get it, but fuck this guy. Yeah. No, no, fuck, the, fuck all these people. That's That's my point here. Yeah. This is, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, and the way that Gaia fucking, like, the over, the hypersaturated colors. Yep. The real soft edges. Yep. It like. Yeah, of course this guy's got a non-profit too. Oh, it's a great way to do crimes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I really, um. Oh, you know what they do at his non-profit? They'll, um, for free, they'll help you plan your will. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> wow. Being real transparent. With These huh? fucking assholes. Covert organization reveals its purpose and mission. What the fuck you got for me now? Let's go. February 6th of 2000. Oh, this motherfucker. Yeah. I have been approached, prepared, 
and chosen. There are many theories that we're the breeding of extraterrestrial life and human beings, and that's exactly what we are. And I'll take it a step further. Did you see the Ark of the Covenant? <laughs> Is that fucking George Norrie? Down there. Son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. God damn it, George. Welcome to Beyond Belief. We've got a great program for you. Jason Shurko with us, vice president of a commercial real estate firm oh, based him. out of the Big Apple in New York. Right, yeah. And he's in yeah. charge of acquisitions wow. and development. He writes as a hobby and has written and published a couple books so far, both in the realm of spirituality. Jason, welcome to Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for having it's me. It's great to have you. Thank we you. have a video Yep. He made it on Gaia? Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yep. Got 200,000 fucking people watching his dumbass mm -hmm. talking to fucking stupid ass George Norrie. Yeah. Dude, this is a problem. Yes, it's a problem. It's a problem. That's why we're talking about, we're going to be talking about Jason. I know. Gaia in general is a fucking problem. Right. Too many people are watching this. Yeah. And you know, before it was Gaia, it was Gaia. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. I don't like it. Yeah. Ah. Later yeah. tonight, I'm going to be watching the, the Gaia TV produced movie, Beyond Lemuria. Oh, excellent. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. With the, the two groups of magicians, one light and one dark, going Fucking to explore a. Mount Shasta. I can't wait. Dude. Like, I, their programming ranges from mind-numbingly boring, even though they're talking about crazy shit, which is like, how do you manage to do that? Yeah. To hilarious. No, no, it's real funny. It's very funny, but it's also very dangerous. It is, because, like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the fucking thing is that, like, I don't know how people fall for this bullshit, but they do. But they do. Fun. I don't know, man. Even though, like, honestly, if you believe this shit to be true, it's kind of terrifying. It is. But it's presented with soft edges and bright colors and shit. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. And like, also, you know, uplifting humanity. And yeah, it's also like they do a bunch of yoga classes on the website, too. It's very it's for spiritual people. It's for truth seekers. <sighs> so like I I think that there's a connection between overprescribed drugs and this bullshit or the efficacy of this bullshit. Oh, yeah. Especially like Xanax and opiates. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, specifically Xanax and opiates. Uh-huh. I think probably a connection between people believing a lot of wacky shit because that's just kind of what those drugs do. Speed also gives people psychosis. Yeah, but you're a lot less able to be convinced. You're doing the convincing on speed. <laughs> I do you know. know. What? I, I mean, just the... It doesn't have to be any specific prescription drug. Just prescription drugs in America are like... Yeah. Out of control. And I mean, like, I take speed every day because I need it to function like a normal human being. Yeah. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with prescription drugs when you need them, but it's the combination of like altered states and mm -hmm. people taking advantage of them. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a connection there, even though I don't have like even a thesis about yeah. that. But like, I don't know. It's I would argue that for this is actually a drug for people that don't do drugs as well. Or for people that smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I think a lot of people use this information as like, you know, they're mainlining it. They cannot get enough of like of the truth or what they believe yeah. is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They secretly know the truth that everyone else doesn't know. Yeah. Like that is addictive. And that in and of itself provides a high. I've got a I've got a friend who's he he's he just so desperately wants to believe in all this stuff. That's fun. Yeah, but I'm trying to like 
yeah. get him over to the the real shit, you know? Mm-hmm. The the good good, not the like, bad bad. There's plenty to that's fun and filled with like the fun type of paranoia and the fun type of mystery and also the scary type of mystery, just like in reality. Yeah. Like it's all here. Yeah, and I mean like the guy is shit is like I mean it's a weapon. Is yes. what it is. It's like information is the greatest weapon there is. Yeah, I mean it's when you when you get when you get a society that is both falling apart and also on the cusp of the future. Uh huh. Like it's real easy for people to start believing in fantasy because the world looks fantastic. Yeah. Like it really does, and like especially when there's all sorts of scientific discoveries about. Weird shit. Like, science discoveries are getting weirder and weirder all the goddamn time. Yeah. And shit, we cured fucking cancer. Like, like that, we just did that. Oh, uh, did we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Like, it's pretty much, like, we pretty much did it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, cool. it hasn't, um, it's been kind of quiet. But yeah. But they, they, well, they created- Is it widely um, available? Not yet, but it will be in a few years. Um, the cancer vaccine in mm-hmm. a couple of years. Uh, hey, yeah. Lyme vaccine coming out, too. Fuck Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, uh, my buddy's uh, company. It's not his company. He's just, he's just a scientist there. They they were working on biologics, uh, a type of drug called biologics to treat cancer. Hundred mm-hmm. percent success rate in um in mice, and they moving on to human trials and shit. It's like Sweet. like it's just kind of done. I can't uh, wait for the conspiracies about that. Well, mRNA uh, vaccine technology came out of the cancer vaccine research. Yeah. So that's the tech that's going to be used. For cancer vaccines. So, you know, it's already it's already right there. It writes itself again. I'm not gonna say anything about natural selection. <laughs> I kind of just did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Except get a cancer vaccine when I can. Right. Because like it's a race against time for why my prostate. You? Like I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that is like literally, why wouldn't you? That's a quite a genetic uh unless you can't. Right. Yeah, no, like prostate cancer is uh, very genetically dependent. And mm-hmm. it's pretty much like if your grandfather died of prostate cancer, like that's how you're going out. Yeah. So. Better be safe than sorry. Bring it on, boys. Yeah. Dose also, me up. Also, like, of course, a vaccine isn't necessarily a guarantee that you wouldn't ever get it. But why not try to take as many measures to protect yourself against harm as, as one could? For sure. I mean, you also got to be like, there have been vaccines in the past that have fucked people up. Totally. I mean, there's a reason we don't use the smallpox vaccine except oh, yeah. in, uh, you know, special circumstances now. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous as fuck. Yeah. Like, this is just straight up a dangerous thing to do. Indeed. So is smallpox. So. But yeah, and then there's also just like just fucking CRISPR shit. And like, there's, I mean, we're getting, like, we're so close to fucking life extension. Mm-hmm. That's like going to create so many fucking problems on top of like environmental catastrophe and all this shit like well it's how it, you know one step forward two steps back yeah hopefully can transition into two steps forward one step back yep <laughs> but like i mean it, it 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 makes total sense why people could fall for fantasy and shit in a world that's becoming more realistically fantastic every day totally, and like yeah. the, there are infinite possibilities and shit it's just like i get that the real shit like takes a little more thinking mm-hmm but it's better. It's more fun at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't take Jason Shirka and like, really like throw all your mental processing powers at that and be like, well, what does this mean? What are the implications for my life? Because there is, there is none because it's fucking nonsense. 
Yeah. Whereas like- Because if the spiritual CIA really existed and has been guarding us and guiding us for hundreds of years and like possess incredible superpowers and technology, then why the fuck has so much terrible stuff happened? (sighs) All part of the plan. Trust the plan. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, it has to because plan. Yeah. But I mean, but okay, but so like that is the the fucking whole problem that the problem of evil, right? In terms of belief in a god, it's the problem with Jason Shirka's idea of the light system. Yeah, you know, because that's not how our earthly realm operates. I mean, I think that the the, one of the solutions for the problem of evil in regards to whether there's an all all powerful good god, it does kind of hinge on like that does fall apart if like. There is an afterlife and it is better than this one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if the terrible shit that happens to you in this world just literally doesn't matter right. afterwards, yeah. well, then there's no such thing as evil. Yeah. Right. And then the, the other, like the other argument is, is that like, well, no, there's a plan and it's necessary for the machine to do the thing that it needs to do and shit, which is, you know, maybe why it's the spiritual CIA, mm-hmm. right? You know, the sacrifices must be made for the greater good and all this shit. Yeah. Yeah, like they can't intervene. They're not allowed to intervene in human affairs too much or whatever. Yeah. Dude, oh, so something I want to look into is uh, I haven't heard too much about. Uh, there's a MK Ultra side, side, side project. Mm-hmm. MK Often. I've not heard of this. You've never. Okay, so there's not a ton of information on it, but allegedly, according to some book that I don't know if it's reliable or not. It's just something I was like looking into this morning. Apparently MK often was when defense department and CIA started hiring like psychics, tarot readers, astrologers, magicians, like looking into the applications of full on magical practices, not just things that like are analogous to magic, like the shit they were doing with MK ultra. Yeah. But like like actual tarot readers and astrologers and shit like that. So that's something I'm going to, I want to dig into because that sounds Entertaining as all hell. Yeah. Yeah. After uh, after I'm done with the dogs. Oh, my God. It's happened. Dude, it's going to happen again. Yeah, work it's at- fractal time. We're in cycles. Right. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm busting my ass on a, on a script, reading books and stuff. And do you know what the release date of that series is going to be? What's that? Fucking election day. Yeah. Just every time. Every time I do a series that, like, I read more than one book for, mm-hmm. it happens right on the same day as like a some sort of news catching thing. Yeah. Our town selectmen or one of them just got caught taking down a uh, signs around town. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is a selectman? It's like on the they make important choices for the town. All right. They select things. Yeah. <laughs> He's a selectman. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I I love town politics, small town politics. It's yeah. fucking funny. Me too. It's hilarious. One of the only reasons why I maintain somewhat involvement it's interesting that like when i see the campaign signs like i know a lot of those people like yeah i've met them. i like i know them and that's interesting because in a small town you can you can do that yeah and i like knowing what's happening locally because that's kind of what's most important <laughs> no it is i mean that's why you know? that's what the fucking um it's municipal politics that's what, what goes on in your town that's what the republicans realized is that it's it is about local elections. Yeah. And uh, local elections are very important. They're exceedingly important. I fucking gave a talk about that to my college once. Really? Hell yeah. <laughs> One of my classes. I mean, fuck yeah. It's it's super true. Yeah. Like 
Well, because one of the guys that we elected, this is probably very boring, but he um, one of the roads had to be repaved and he put out a bid on it, which is where, you know, companies yeah. are supposed to, you know, apply to do the job. Yeah, yeah. But he went with one of his buddies. Mm. You know what they did? They put down this shit called coal tar mm. that was fucking up people's cars, <laughs> sticking to their dog's paws. Oh, my God. Sticking into the water, making people sick. Whoa. Not do it properly. It was like a rush job, a cheap job. Holy shit. Right. All fucked up. Also, that stuff is banned in a lot of states. This cold. No tar shit. Stuff. So like. I feel like they did that in our town, too. It was a big deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Pay attention because that stuff gets in your water. So these are like the little things that you don't even really think about, but that matter. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like fucking vote in your local elections. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just- like that's it's pretty good. I've been, I can't wait to run for something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> local jester. That's what I'll run for. 2028, mm-hmm. I'll be old enough to run for president. Oh, yeah. I'll have a platform. The nonsense party. Yeah, yeah. I was going to run as the end of days party, but that's just too on the nose these days. Yeah. So they probably nonsense. already got a candidate for that. I know, I know. But the nonsense party, you know, I'll be 38, it's respectable age. Mm-hmm. Presidential age. Yeah. For a young president. We'll write, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll start a write-in campaign. Oh, yeah. For our podcast. I, although <laughs> I can't, I can't officially say that. I'm running for president mm-hmm. because if I say that I am and then I don't get all the signatures required, I can get fined a lot of fucking money. Ascended Master John McAfee is really running for president. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. One last thing before we get out, before we uh, get out of here. We need, I, when I find some fucking time, I need to redo our website because I like started redoing it and then I just like lost the time to do it and now it's just in a bad state, but still up. <laughs> so just ignore whatever's over yeah. there right now. But I want to start officially building our list of ascended nonsense masters. Yeah. Who do we have so far? Harriet Tubman. Yep. Fucking Harriet Tubman. She's on there. John McAfee. Mm-hmm. Hot peanut butter. Oh, hot peanut butter. We got to give her a do. I she saw the never greatest gets- picture of her the other really? day. She was in not a wheelchair. It was like. Oh, I know the picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's basically getting wheeled around in like a standing bed. So so she can like smoke cigarettes and like she's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) She never gets her ascended master dude. No. She's never. So nonsense master Blavatsky. Yeah. Nonsense master Helen. Who else? I'm sure we can come up with a few. Yeah. Yeah. We've got them. But it's a. I want to make a site on our, a page on our website of our own list mm-hmm. of nonsense masters ascended master togo oh yes <laughs> oh yes absolutely and you know what dude balto too yeah mm-hmm. yep it's oh. it's only fair well no we're, we'll get into i feel bad about shitting on balto in the first episode <laughs> oh no yeah we'll we'll redeem him not only was he a actually a fucking hero but his story turned real tragic oh <laughs> It's so coming at me with these sad sled dog stories. It's like I'm back in fifth grade <sighs> where the red fern grows. And oh, fuck that. Color. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck that. They put us through the ringer with the sad dog mm-hmm. books in school. What the fuck was that about? Yeah, no, no. You'll, I'll, I'll make y'all cry. Part, part two. <laughs> oh, good. Part one's coming out next week. Oh, part two's fucking cool. Sweet. Things, yeah, cause, like I'm doing the, the 1925 serum run to Gnome and um, 
I was realizing that like that's a story that's been covered, like been done by Disney twice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Balto was a Disney movie. I don't know either. It might have been um, that other company that made the good movies. But uh, the fuck is that company's name? Oh, whatever. But it's like it's a it's a story that has been adapted for children's stories quite a lot, right? Right. And it makes sense why dogs, heroes, saving saving the really town. Not a children's story though. Right. It's really not at all. And like. That's the, th- the thing I realized, like, why I've been having so much fun, especially writing part two, mm-hmm. when it's, like, right into the into the shit of it. Yeah. Is, like, that the the emotion I can attempt to convey that the children's stories can't. Dread. Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> it's, yep. it's not terror. It's, like, it's dread. And that is, like, oh, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Especially when they win in the end. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's coming out next I week. I look forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be good. All right. right. Yeah. It's time to go. I got shit to do. It's Halloween. Mm -hmm. You got a fucking dumb movie to watch. I got, I got to go jack my lantern. You got a jack a lantern. I got to go jack. Oh, I want a jack a lantern. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. Be well. I love you. Thanks for supporting us. Take care of yourselves. And uh, I don't know. Have a good time. Have a happy Halloween. I hope you did have a happy Halloween. You fuckers. (laughs) 